0: another episode of acts of the blood god an independent rpg podcast i'm your host cat bailey joining me as always my lovely co-host nadia oxford
1: hello cat um as you know we are doing this over cameras and i'm very curious about the liquid in that dracula goblet of yours i'm just waiting for you to throw it and shatter what's in there blood for the blood god ah good choice good vintage good year actually the blood god lights port as well so that's what i'm drinking tonight <laughs> Really, I'm more into a little bit more into the white wine. Have you ever had like kosher wine? It's the most disgusting thing on on the planet. No, thank God. (laughs) It's so (laughs) sweet. It will kill you.
0: I am drinking port because we don't have white wine in the house and I'm a little bit of
1: an alcoholic. So I'm just (laughs) like, I need something for God's sake. Are you a wine mommy except you have cats and stuff? I am such a basic
0: California wine mom, but I like
1: RPGs. (laughs) RPGs are better than children. You heard it here, folks.
0: Also joining us. It's our best pal and other co-host, Eric Van Allen.
2: Hi, it's it's already dark outside, and I've got a margarita in the freezer, so I definitely don't know anything about planning out <laughs> alcoholic <laughs> escapades.
0: It could be like the days of 1UP, where the podcasts were really just an excuse to sit around and drink for three hours and then get progressively more wrecked.
1: It's a good time. That sounds like fun. I would actually very much like to do that if we get to get together at PAX or something, just gradually into slide it. into sin.
2: Is that our new backer Like benefit is oh, Blood God After Dark?
1: I'm into it. Okay. I really like that idea.
0: Yeah. Here's the deal. We're introducing a $20 tier where every single week we produce a podcast called Blood God After Dark
2: Every where week. we just sit around and
0: drink <laughs> and play video games and you can be there.
1: That sounds really awesome. That actually reminds me of the time uh, a long time ago I worked as a cashier and the head cashier uh, hotboxed the car because she wanted to see what it'd be like high. So Uh, you'd all get to see that sort of that sort of (laughs) performance if you contribute so make sure you contribute folks this is important
0: this is very important but speaking of contributing hey we have some more special content for you yes it's a cowboy bebop ranking the first two parts are up the episode ended up going quite a bit longer than we were kind of expecting so we had to split it up a bit more but we got parts three and four coming out next week And then we'll rank the rest of the show. But in the first meantime, you can see the listen to the first half with our good pal Henry Gilbert from What of Cartoon and Talking Simpsons. Part one is available to everybody and part two is available immediately to our $5 patrons and shall be available on our free feed next week. In the meantime, if you want to continue to support the show, patreon.com slash Pod. follow us on all of the social medias, twitter.com slash the underscore cat bot Nadia is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at c moosey and we have our social feeds for blood god it's all blood god pod blood god go check it all out it's good stuff and leave us a review because it makes me really happy when you see a review and I really enjoy it and our pantheon game is persona 5 that's available to our 10 dollars patrons anyway continuing onward This week, we are going to be talking about Shin Megami Tensei 5, which is now available for everybody. We haven't had a chance to play it. Nadia and Eric have it loaded up on their Switch. I'm waiting for it to show up in the mail because I got a physical version of it. We're all going to play it at some point and do a review roundtable. It'll be very fun with people who have, in fact, finished it. Um, But in the short term, we're going to talk a little bit about smt in general and what can smt do to win the recognition that its fans so they really want fans to kind of treat smt with the respect that it deserves so we're going to delve a little bit into that and talk a little bit about why persona has been kind of the popular one as it were so that will be a little bit later in the episode but first of all, let's talk a bit about what we are playing. Eric, we'll start with you. What is your sacrifice to the Blood God this week?
2: Uh, it's it's kind of a slow RPG week for, for me this week. I might have a little bit more next week because I'll have SMT 5 and maybe a few other things as well. But uh, this week, I was really bummed because I wanted to get some SMT time in before the podcast. And then they did the thing that I'm just going to rant about for this week. This is Eric's uh grinds my gears for this week uh the the whole i thought we got on board with games unlock in this in this continent in the north american continent at midnight eastern time i was getting real comfy with that and i know the west coast folks loved it because y'all got it at 9 p.m that's That's great that's great you get a little nighttime playtime even us central folks we can stay up a little bit late lose a little bit of sleep for that and you know east coast midnight's still pretty good instead (laughs) smt was a midnight west coast unlock which means everybody was going to sleep so i i thought we were all on board with this atlas come on like let's let's get this figured out let's get this Back on track we were doing so well for so long honestly like there doesn't back on seem
1: set. to be a standard and i wish there was because i know there have been times where nintendo releases a game and it's like 12 p.m on the day of release instead of <laughs> yeah. 12 a.m and it's really infuriating
2: for, we're just launching it like 2 p.m on the day which is still technically on the release day but yeah come on. i mean they're is not it... breaking
1: any promises it's just really annoying
2: yeah so uh this week uh I- i've been messing around with forza uh, a car pg if you will and <laughs> I, like uh, uh, I like that game uh, it's the first forza i've ever played and it's it seems like a good one of those i have no point of comparison but uh, my thoughts are basically it's a driving game it's not a racing game uh, yeah. i love to just drive cars in it if that's i don't know if that sounds weird but every year i have a game that i latch onto and is like my podcast game is my chill time game and yeah. forza is that for me it is very much a we're going to put on a bunch of youtube videos that we have not watched yet and just drive cars around and put sick evangelion art on them i have a supra with ray Ayanami on it and that's really the power fantasy that video games should afford everyone that's the
1: kind of car i would see if i was going to like an anime convention and i'd look in the parking lot and there'd be a car exactly like that just there
2: I want a Fast and the Furious movie where they're going to one of those underground street races and, you know, the music's bumping and everybody's walking around and stuff. And you pan past one and it's just got like zero two from Darling and the Franks, like across the top of it, just anime girl. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like this dude's just like, yeah, check out my sick car. And it's a sick car and it wins the race, but it's got anime girls all over it. like And
1: then Darling and the Franks, no
2: less. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Eric, can I propose to
0: you? A game called Racing Lagoon from Squaresoft.
2: I, I saw this. I saw this this morning that the patch is out for Racing yeah, Lagoon.
0: It's in English now. You can play it. It's Squares I, Car PG and it's got everything that you could want in a Fast and the Furious movie underground street racing, mm-hmm. uh, Japan, like Fast and the Furious, uh, Tokyo <laughs> Drift, and of course, RPG elements.
2: That's what we love. I mean, I've been on a tear of just downloading games that have been fan translated because there was also a patch for Sakura Tyson on the Game Boy that came out this week. Uh, wow, that that's I've, random. I love it. I know. Yeah. I just I saw it because I think actually friend of the show, Victor, uh, boosted it onto my timeline, but I, I have already loaded it onto my EverDrive. And so I plan on checking that out at some point. But I like those little oddities of fan translation patches and stuff. Um, I do want to shout out this week for Normandy FM, uh, my other podcast, my retrospective podcast, uh, we played Bevel, the Bavel section of Final Fantasy 10. And I just want to say that game holds up so incredibly well that it's frightening at times how good Damn. that game still is. Uh, Bevel is incredible. It's some of the most fun I've had playing an RPG this year, including modern RPGs that have come out this year. It's just some good-ass RPG right there. So if y'all are ever on the fence about Final Fantasy X and think, I don't know how well this is aged. No, it's aged very, very well. It's some good RPG right there. So I should probably play it.
1: Yeah, I
0: was over on NBC this week, and somebody asked on the Question Block segment, what are the best languages in video game history? And I was like, oh. Oh, I think the Owl Bed language is pretty yeah. rad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that they... Made it something that you gradually learn and mm-hmm. that you can get so much more context once you learn everything. And it's a great reason to replay the game. I thought mm-hmm. that was a neat idea.
2: They had some uh, in the previous section, which is like Beaconel Island slash home, where you go to see the actual Albed home where they live and stuff. There's chests in that area that have riddles on them that you can only start to figure out the clues and answers to if you know Albed. And it's really fun if you go in there like I did and have only picked up maybe like half the all bed primers in the game because you're kind of looking at a word. It's like you can make out some of the context of the question that's being asked and what the answers are, but you can't make it all out. And so you're just it's the experience I had when I was in Spanish in (laughs) freshman year of college. I was like, I understand Spanish well enough to know how to conjugate a verb. But I'm looking at a full paragraph of Spanish and just being like, okay, I know this word and this word and this word. So the roughest approximation of what I could guess this thing is saying is this and trying to work with that. And it's kind of fun in that way. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, so that that game's got layers, it's got multitudes, it's got a really cool battle system. It's got I don't know, Una, one of the best protagonists in Final Fantasy history. So
0: is pretty great. I'm into her, but also Lou, but also Riku.
2: Riku's also great. That's why Final Fantasy X too good video game, because it's just about Yuna and Riku and also a third character. Who's not Lulu for some also weird
0: pain reason. for some reason. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Cause they were literally like, well, we don't want to put Lulu in as a third character. So we'll just make a character. That's basically Lulu, but no, not Lulu has to
0: go be a mom now, but imagine to Lulu, the worst existence, but now she's an action girl.
1: Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool.
0: Lulu has to get married to the worst character in the game. Hi, Waka. Oh,
1: god. <laughs> I
2: forgot Who the hell how bad... a guy named Waka. I forgot how bad Waka is. He's he's so racist. He's racist. incredibly racist. Oh yes, in ways that you forget, and then play the video game again, and his, you're like, his oh name my is god, Waka, Waka, and he's
1: taking the high ground. <laughs> hey. hey, hey, come on, Nadia. What are you playing? Well, playing a little bit of Final Fantasy XIV. I because um, I wanted to make a weaver so I am doing the weaver quests and I'm making pretty dresses for for very fancy uh-huh. people and it's actually kind of it's a lot of fun as someone who does not like fashion in the least and just, was just doing this because okay I need this I need this crafter class I was like you know what I'm actually kind of enjoying this story about a a up a upscale woman who's in love with a low scale soldier and wants to fight with him but her mom won't let her and you have to make her armor so she's disguising the fact that she's armored but her mom can see that she's also dressed up nicely. And so she's kind of trying to fit in as a woman, like of high society while dressing in, in, battle gear. And her mother's eventually like boiler alert. I did the exact same thing you did. I know exactly what you're up to. Okay. Go off with my blessing And it's a very stupid, very basic, very cliche story, but it was very, very cute. And I enjoyed it very much. Also, I'm still playing dragon quest builders too. Cause it's great.
0: That's me trying a woman trying to fit in high society while also wearing battle gear. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even tr- i'm not even trying with the high society thank god <laughs> nadia knows exactly who she is she's like screw high society are you kidding
1: me yeah the last time i wore makeup was at my uncle's wedding like seven years ago
0: mm. wow How you wearing makeup
1: that's amazing it has happened it's, it's a rare it's a rare sight you're, you're better off probably spotting a unicorn but it does <laughs> happen
0: <laughs> well as for me i too I've been playing Animal Crossing, Forza Horizon, those kinds of games. However, I've also been playing Persona 5, a game that is our Pantheon pick for this month. I'm grinding through, trying to get to the end so that I can finally say that, yes, I have finished Persona 5. I'm in mid-September right now. Okay, okay. I've seen some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah, you'll start seeing things by September. Mm-hmm. Have you done the hamburger factory yet? <laughs>
0: no. God.
1: You'll We're know. Getting it, to guess. that
0: point right now, like they're talking about the next palace, and I was like, hmm.
1: I seem to recall Nadia not liking this one. It's um the thing about Persona Five actually is it's very kind of sad to play in this day and age because there's a lot of messages there that still resonate stronger than ever. It was an angry game then and it's an angry game now.
0: I agree. Actually, like, I think that this game has something to say, and it takes aim at people in power, mm-hmm. speaks yeah. just to power in a way that I rarely see in a lot of commercial games. So many commercial games are either kind of cosplaying as radical, like Watch Dogs Legion, or they're just outright kind of grotesque. In the way that they handle these things like call of duty mm-hmm. so it is bracing to see a game that is intended to be a commercial success they all want to be commercial successes but this is a big budget game relatively speaking it's like one of the biggest atlas games and it's like no screw it we've got things to say about how japanese society is and i, I kind of appreciate that
1: the thing that I find intriguing is that um, spoiler alert, you're coming up on a factory, or the whole the whole message is uh, service workers in Japan are just completely exploited, and it's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. very very disturbing. And I found that very interesting because we hear a lot about as Westerners about salary men and how they're overworked, but I know very very little about how service jobs are in Japan and how and if workers are exploited, which I'm assuming they are because you know if if you will find sources that say as much and. It, it's just, it was a different angle, I think.
2: Well, and if you go, like, the imagery they, they use in this next dungeon is also, like, from what I remember, very reminiscent of The Wall by Pink Floyd. It's a very, like very
1: that. Pink Floyd dungeon.
2: Yeah. And it's, I think that's one of the cool things I like a lot about Persona 5. And I'm sure we will be talking more about Persona as this podcast goes on. But it is a game that wants to to take aim, but also goes to efforts to not just take aim, but it builds the case in a way. I, I like that the structure of the game, the way you have to build up to taking the person down, stealing their heart and all that, means you have to interrogate the ways in which they are corrupt, the ways in which the system is corrupted and not just the person in the way that this person has created this corruption and benefited from it around them. I mean, one of your targets, quote unquote, is arguably an innocent person like is is a person who is just caught in the cogs of the machine and is complicit because they're trying to survive and get by and I think that makes it a very interesting game because of the way you get to see that build up I, the hamburger factory is is a great example of that it also brings in Haru, which I'm interested to hear y'all talk about it on the Pantheon because or when Haru. I played well when I played persona five i I referred to it at the time as like a scrappy do edition because. I feel like the last addition of any party member into an RPG is the hardest thing because they're the last person in the door yeah. and they have to make as much of an impression as the first like two people that team up with you. And Haru just never landed with me because I never felt like I really got to know her very well. And so nobody I'm seems to
0: like her now.
2: I'm wondering if Royal makes that a little bit better because you get more time with these characters or if it's still like a scrappy do situation.
1: It's just Scrappy-Doo, and, and nothing wrong with Haru. I, I like it very or much. Or Scrappy-Doo. I
2: love Scrappy-Doo.
1: Oh, my God. No, what?
2: He's great.
1: Scrappy-Doo. This, may-
2: this is maybe my hottest take.
0: <laughs> it's a take, all right. Scrappy-Doo is an inherently
1: optimistic character. Very confident. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: But Haru is not like that, though. I mean, the thing with Haru is you're absolutely right in that the last character has to make it as much of an impression as mm-hmm. the first character. Haru is very mousy. Even when she finds her heart, she's very, she's kind of timid. I've only and, just met her, by the way. So
0: mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what my own impressions
1: are yeah, of her.
2: Yeah, I, I want to I hear your impressions after you get through it. because yeah. I'm
1: curious too, yeah.
2: It definitely felt like by the time we got to that, it was also pretty late in the game. And so I was like, okay, we're doing another edition of a character in a party that already feels pretty full at this by point. But then I,
0: I had Makoto. So. felt like the final piece,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? yeah. Yeah. I I was like why are we adding somebody else at this point? Yeah, it, it, and it actually the game has developed to the point, the story has developed to the point where I do feel like they can start to move toward kind of the end game. So, which they are they, not. Will. They, they will. They will very much not. <laughs> so. Anyway, so you know, I'm I am serious. I'm putting a serious effort into playing Persona 5. So please look forward to that. Also, I played a little bit of darkest dungeon 2, which is now Ooh. available in early access and various previews have been going out very different experience from the previous darkest dungeon. So this one's a roguelike. If you die, you will start over. Right. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to, Oh, well, it's too bad. Start building up your characters also, instead of being in a castle, you're in this uh, cart. You're in a stagecoach mm-hmm. and you're oh, weaving down the roads, right? And you hit different events. And at each one of these events, you make decisions, you meet people, mm-hmm. or you fight enemies. And then the actual fights are kind of like 3D versions of the Darkest Dungeon uh, fights. And you're trying to get to this mountain. It's a little weird because you're actually driving the stagecoach, and I was really disoriented by how different it all was versus the original Darkest Dungeon. Um, It's it's taking a little bit of getting used to, but I kind of dig it, honestly. like I'm glad that they're trying something different, and even though the art style is in 3D now, it still retains a lot of what I liked about the original Darkest Dungeon. So, I... I'm I'm looking forward to the final version. I should say, mm-hmm. is it as brutal as the the first one? I cannot I cannot say one way or another because I have not gone that far. Nice. Um, it does seem like you can still be in a situation where a fight goes completely wrong, and you're like, "Well, I died." But <laughs> I would say that it's not as brutal, probably be- simply because you don't have to grind. The way that you do mm. in the original Darkest Dungeon, and then you're constantly in a situation, especially once you get to the highest level dungeons, where you could lose your your best party, and just because things went bad at a particular point, and then you're like, "Oh, neat! Oh, there goes my run! <laughs> oh that boy, I put forty hours into."
2: Okay. It's it's structured kind of like you know ftl or slay the spire right where you have a branching like, like you have you're going from point a to point b but you're taking branching paths on the way down there and kind sure, of making yeah, decisions yeah. as you go uh but is there any sort of like permanent progression over the runs so say you lose a run your party gets wiped are you still gaining anything from that or is it like completely back to as if you just booted up the game for the first time
0: Well, Eric, I can't answer that question for you because I haven't died yet. (laughs) You're just (laughs) that damn
2: good. Cat is literally too good for Darkest Dungeon 2. Too good for Darkest Dungeon
0: 2. (laughs) I'm just dabbling in it. I just wanted to highlight Mm -hmm. that it is a game that exists and is now in early access. And you should go check it out because Darkest Dungeon rules. I might not get fully into it until it is fully out because I don't tend to play games when they're in early access, see Hades, which was in early access for like two years and was Mm -hmm. awesome. And then I was very happy that I waited until it actually came out before I really truly got into it as it were. Besides I got plenty of other games to play. I feel like I've got a million games just coming down the pipe, like SMT five. Yeah. Supposedly going to show up in the mail
1: at some point. I hope. I believe in you. I believe in that mail cat.
0: Come on mail. Let's do it. (laughs) justify my love all right let's talk about the rpg news there's a lot to cover this week we'll start with final fantasy 14 and walker delayed which is great mm. because we had set up Charlene Dropout's schedule to be able to review it that's not going to happen it's been re- delayed two weeks it's now coming out on december 7th with early access going live on december 3rd the announcement came at last week's live letter. It came out quite late in the day, like in the evening here, morning
1: mm-hmm. in Japan Ch- yeah. time. Apparently Yoshida started explaining, started crying when he explained the delay, Nadia. Uh, yeah, this was on a live letter. This happened, as you said, pretty late at night. We had just recorded the episode for, for the week, actually. Yeah, so the live letter was supposed to be, was supposed to start with the, the final trailer, right? Because that's the way it usually always starts. And it started with the you know, Yoshida and his team like kind of at a desk and it's like, oh, this is a, this is very unusual. This is probably not good. And uh Yoshida does, you know, the very deep bow, the mm-hmm. very apologetic bow. And it's like, yeah, OK, the shit's coming. So, yeah, it was delayed two weeks. Yoshida basically says, look, it's the end of a story after an 11 year run. I want to make sure it's just as, as good as I can make it. Also want to make sure that maybe they can squash some server issues before they happen but i'm not confident that there won't be problems what are you gonna do about that and uh he yeah he, he just started crying because he was so overwhelmed by mm-hmm. he, he 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 does that sometimes when he gets like really overwhelmed by by bad news or, or good news like when w- when he announced that Sokin was cancer-free like he he just started crying and say, so happy to have my best friend with me it was really mm-hmm. sweet Aww. yeah oh my god he's a very sweet guy.
0: Oh, uh, he feels deeply. I think that's lovely.
2: I can't imagine anyone else who could have led a game like Final Fantasy fourteen out of the abyss it was in into the point now where they literally have too many players. <laughs> like they have, yeah. they are too popular. And every time I don't even play fourteen yet, there are so many people trying to convince me to and and get me to. Uh, they told me there's Ronso in this game, which is not good for me. But <laughs> uh, yeah, every time I see Yoshida, I'm just taken aback because this is someone who cares so much about the work they do and the work their team does. And yeah, I it's 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 impressive. And the things they accomplish are incredibly impressive, too. So like two weeks, I, I feel like the resounding sentiment I've seen from Final Fantasy 14 players has been take your time you have more than earned two extra weeks like are you kidding me that's nothing
1: yeah generally the fandom is very very positive about it um like we discussed before the podcast started there are people who took paid time off and Mm -hmm. i understand like there's no way they're getting paid time off in december if they work in retail or service Mm -hmm. but yoshida acknowledged that and just i'm very very sorry you know i they obviously struggled with this this decision a lot because it's kind of the ninth hour for the game like it's uh the 11th hour rather it's uh we, we, we're all kind of in that frame of mind. Okay, yeah, cool. Endwalker's coming in the next couple of weeks. And it's like, oh, well, I guess uh, got to delay that for another couple of weeks. No big. I'm at
0: this point surprised when a game isn't delayed.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, I, I'm surprised when anything isn't delayed just because of the, sh- the supply shortages and, and chip shortages. It's such a weird time we're living in.
2: And we're all depressed and it's dark earlier outside again. And <laughs> yeah, tell me about
1: it. It's pitch black here. It started at seven and yeah, that's pitch great. blackness love it. descends. Uh I I, I don't get me wrong, I, I love the darkness. I despise the sun, but I need a little bit. I need uh as Toronto tends to get very, very cloudy over the winter we never see the sun. So it fun.
0: gets it gets dark at like four PM in
1: Toronto, right? Not quite four, I'd say five. <laughs> you wake up in the dark, you go home in the dark. When you're in school, it's good. By the time you finish school, it's the sun setting.
0: When I was growing up, the sun would be going down by the time I got home from school.
1: Yep. At yep.
0: like 4 p.m. And I would, I would be heading to school at like 7 or something. So I would rarely see the sun, is what I'm saying. And it was great <laughs> yeah. when it was especially super cold as well. And you wonder why Vikings fans are so negative?
2: You're used to the suffering. It's okay. It's you've yeah, grown yeah. accustomed.
0: Well, <laughs> I moved to California, so it's okay.
2: I can't throw stones in this house right now. There's oh, yes, nothing but suffering on the Wisconsin side at this moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, I feel really. Oh, oh yeah, I feel yeah. really.
2: <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> oh shoot! Oh crap, like what we're... is Aaron saying now?
1: Oh, oh, that crazy Aaron. Oh my oh. God. I don't what? know who Aaron is. It sounds like he's our, he's your John, your Don Sherry who's trending every single Remembrance Day and every single Saturday because he says something stupid on hockey. Oh, Aaron Rodgers went crazy.
2: Oh, yeah. cool. The, yeah, the Green awesome. Bay quarterback who tested positive for COVID and then started going off about how he was getting advice from a certain podcast personality uh and like was being canceled and things like that it's just worse and worse every day i've never
0: said i didn't lie about being vaccinated i said it was immunized
2: yeah yeah if you mess with what yeah and he was basically like yo i'm just i'm trying to be a free thinker and stuff like that it's playing all the hits why can't green bay just have one quarterback leave in a normal way honestly oh We, our quarterbacks disappear in weirder ways than like Hogwarts defense against the dark arts yes. teachers do. <laughs> like, well, one of
0: them went to Minnesota. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's, that's the definition of uh, defense against the dark arts kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't talk because I chuckled lightly about Aaron Rodgers and maybe threw one stone and karma immediately punished me harshly by making uh, Dalvin Cook be sued by his girlfriend for domestic abuse. Oh, jeez. And like 26 Vikings players being uh, exposed to COVID and the Vikings losing <laughs> at the last minute to the Ravens with a field goal. It was <laughs> great. Yeah, it was wonderful. I was just like, jeez, I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry I laughed. It's okay.
2: Karma really whiplashed fast on that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: Life comes at me fast. I love that the Daily Norseman follows both you and I cat on Twitter, and I, I don't know a thing about football. I just love the fact that they follow us, and every Sunday it's just a stream of negativity, just like oh, players yeah. like names ac- alongside curses because it's <laughs> someone's always screwing up a field goal or a kick oh, yeah. or something. That's the Vikings' way.
2: Yeah, but life as do. an NFL fan, honestly.
0: <laughs> and that has been the NFL minute on Actual <laughs> God. Please enjoy it because Eric and I are. Fans of the opposite teams. Yes, Mm -hmm. I allowed a Packers fan onto my podcast for some godforsaken reason.
2: You hired me at one point. (laughs) I did. I did hire you.
0: I mean, I almost fired you when you told me.
1: So
2: Regret.
0: Regret. All right. Well, speaking of regret, I can't really think of a good segue right here. So I'll just say that the Elden Ring network test is out and you can regret dying a lot in that game once it comes mm-hmm. out in February. You know, I haven't played it yet, but I did have it on my second screen all day because people were streaming it. Mm-hmm. And you know what my impression of Elden Ring is? It's freaking Dark Souls with a
1: horse. That's mm-hmm. okay. And I like know that what? edition. I'm into it it's Dark Souls with a horse. Let's go. It's open world too, isn't it? So mm-hmm. sure is. Yeah. It sounds like Zelda Dark Souls, which I'm okay with. Can you use your horse to run it's over the Breath people? Breath of the Dark Souls. Breath of Darkness. I like that. Yeah, because it's
0: sort of like Breath of the Wild, in that you're wandering around in open world and it's very open-ended. It's not like hitting you with the quests. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have quest spam like Assassin's Creed yeah. and Far Cry Six. You kind of discover the secrets of the world, which I'm into. And then the shrines are kind of like these dungeons where you're like fighting through and it's more of a straightforward kind of dark souls experience. And there are some nasty bosses in there. I watched as players for it's specifically a giant dragon, Yeah, the giant mm-hmm. dra- the giant dragon fight was good. There was a duel on horseback between uh, the main character and a particular boss and, yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, it looks a lot like Dark Souls. I have nothing else to add. Apparently, the um, the combat is slower, but people are so hyped to play Dark Souls with a horse that they're paying like five hundred dollars to scalpers on eBay to get really? one of those freaking codes. Can you believe wow. that?
2: Yeah, yes, I, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's smart, but yes.
2: It just, it looks just really Just wait cool. till
1: February, man. It's okay. You can pay $60,
0: get the whole game, not just a network test.
2: As like a, an on-again, off-again Souls guy, uh, this is definitely hitting for me in ways that Dark Souls 3 did not because I hey, thought Dark, Dark Souls, 3 Souls 3 ruled. Dark Souls 3, I appreciate people who like it, but it felt like a Dark Souls game about Dark Souls, if that makes sense. It was just kind mm. of like, look how cool it is when everybody has swords and is sad and stuff. And <laughs> It
0: brought the fire. lore full circle.
2: but it was it was uh, i i'm gonna get like canceled for this it was playing the hits it was you know it was playing the hits and the thing i liked about dark souls 2 was that it felt very very different from dark souls 1 and elden ring feels very different from the other ones in that it's there's like more of a fantasy leaning there was one boss in the network test that people were posting videos of that was this giant cat with a sword and it looked awesome i didn't see that i gotta look for that all, all the stuff they have with people mutating their limbs into dragon mouths and stuff like that it honestly it reminds me a little bit of berserk just in that dark fantasy sort of way that's 100
0: percent what they're going for yeah
2: but but yeah. more so than more so than previous dark souls games have reminded me of berserk which obviously like berserk has been an influence on the series for time immemorial it's been but. An
0: influence
1: on everything
2: Yes. Anything but, anime basically. But I I feel like especially the fantasy sides of it and like Guts's armor that he gets later in that series and stuff definitely I'm seeing a lot of that here in terms of not just like aesthetic homage but also mechanical homage and I love the idea that magic looks like sick magic you're just shooting lasers and stuff and you're raining magical arrows from the sky like there's just some like grander scale ambition going on here that comes with the open world territory swords everything's just big and grander and and more ridiculous and i like that i want a dark souls that you know, it can be about suffering and one little, like, you know, undead with a sword trying to fight the big boss. But also, what if I just teamed up with my pal and we did super sick magic and turned our limbs into dragons and fought a god? Like, that's that sounds great. And that looks like what Elden Ring is. It's it, I love just the the imagery they're going with and how it is both, both is and is not souls and the way it's making kind of an identity for itself.
0: I don't know why, but lately... I've just enjoyed having Soulsborne type games on Twitch on, like I was watching a lot of Sekiro and the player just kept dying to the same boss over and over and over again. And yet it was kind of soothing to watch because mm-hmm. it wasn't me doing the dying.
1: <laughs> they were the ones. <laughs> Someone who was else doing was dying, dying in their, in their place. That was very, yeah. that was very nice
0: of them. I will play Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Obviously we will talk about it on this podcast. I will see how far I get. I'm intrigued by the concept, but also Soulsborne games stress the ever-living heck out of me. Mm -hmm. I was traumatized by the original Dark Souls review experience and have not recovered since. Y'all, it's Skyrim's 10th anniversary, which means more Skyrim's coming out. I paid the 20 bucks. I have the Skyrim 10th anniversary edition. I booted it up for a hot second. Mostly because I wanted to confirm that, yes, they did discount the horse armor to zero.
2: Paying for itself right there. Sure is. Of course, everybody
0: remembers how horse armor back in the days of Oblivion was so controversial because it was $2 for a piece of cosmetic DLC. Mm -hmm. And people were like, what an insane concept. What's next? Costumes sponsored by Pepsi?
1: And when Fortnite happened. Mm -hmm. it'll never take off what a nonsense idea this is
0: what a nonsense idea this was it's great to go read the old neogaf threads playing the hits but skyrim 10th anniversary is out go play it there's there's fishing in it now and things like that i uh don't think i'm gonna get into skyrim i got other games i need Mm -hmm. to be playing
1: but i think you're a coward for not reading my notes verbatim which is basically the words hey you're finally awake over and over again and <laughs> then you were trying to cross the border
2: <laughs> you're finally awake
1: <laughs> you're finally awake like that thief over there oh, you, you, uh, i did Imperials. i did uh do that part very briefly
0: but well, i also i long. had to do some work and then i turned it off but I, I i don't know like it might be fun to spin up the weirdest possible character that i can think
1: of and then just see what happens I know I would buy the game with that intention and end up with another Argonian archer. So it just I'm not going to bother because I know I know myself too well.
2: Yeah, my my recommendation is Buy that game and then mod the bejesus out of it until you don't even recognize it as skyrim anymore and just experience it that way you can that's the mod
1: the last release they did on consoles can you still mod on consoles that's what i want to know i yes. i
2: think they're like mods okay. are like the creator approved ones yeah so, they're
1: not like the wild west or anything like that yeah, like my favorite mod of all I time like. was when uh, I don't know if y'all remember the Steam Workshop thing that they held onto for two seconds, like something about monetizing your your mods, and everyone got mm-hmm. really mad. So someone made a <laughs> someone who named themselves F Valve, but they didn't say F; they said something else. Uh, they had a mod called No More Imperials, and basically it was. This mod removes all the Imperials from the game, thereby breaking it, much like Steam did for the Workshop for mods. (laughs) And the thumbnail is just the sloppiest thing I've ever seen in my in my life. Like there's a a screenshot of an Imperial soldier with a really crude, like MS Paint, like you know, no smoking thing drawn around him and like would out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Steam, uh, 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 Valve dropped that that pretty quickly.
0: We've been playing Skyrim for ten years at this point. What a wild concept and it's also the week of remasters because gta trilogy remaster came out and you know people give bethesda a lot of crap for how they handle their stuff and how games their games come out and tend to be really buggy but it's nothing compared to gta trilogy
2: which as of the recording of this
0: podcast can't be played on pc Mm -hmm. because they have some files that they accidentally forgot to take out, which is <laughs> mm-hmm. probably the licensed music that they can't use anymore.
1: What a mm-hmm. mess this all turned into. The fact that we are slaves to this DMC crap, like you can't have, I don't know, a flock of seagulls for 10 seconds because they'll pull your, your video. Like, it's just, I can't believe how how bad we let that get.
2: And it's it's also, like, I think part of it is there there is some humor in seeing the ways in which this remaster... Has maybe not lived up to people's expectations, whether it's rain that you cannot see through, or wow. uh weird proportions of characters riding on bikes or turning around while driving a motorbike and just seeing a face all the time. Uh, but the that's like the shot where it's just like, ha, it's funny. This is not what we had hoped. The chaser is they took the old versions of those games off digital storefronts. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. All the
0: mods got DMCA too. Mm -hmm. Really?
2: Yeah. Which just puts a real sour note on all this where it's like, this, this is why I like mods. Me personally speaking is that I like mods because fans can support games for long after their creators have moved on or done other things.
1: That's how Skyrim has survived. Arguably
2: yeah yeah and and there are so many games you know, one of my favorites vampire of the masquerade bloodlines another one of my favorites fallout new vegas that have soldiered on in the years because fans have made sure it works like i have to download a mod to make sure that new vegas can run on my computer because i did that last week but of course. uh it's it it means that i can still play that game on my computer and fans will continue to support this stuff and to see a, a celebration of a game's legacy come alongside like the wiping away of the support that fans have given it is really not a great look. So we'll see how this plays out, I guess.
1: (laughs) I guess it hasn't been a good week for Rockstar in terms of building up uh, good fan uh, relations and feelings. Mm -hmm. No, no.
0: But meanwhile, Skyrim... Uh, people were afraid of the mod-pocalypse because mm-hmm. of the 10th anniversary edition. But one of the key modders actually got early access to the game and were able to make some key changes to ensure that at least some of the mods could work in the 10th anniversary edition. So oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. Much, Many sighs of relief among people who are still playing Skyrim after all this time. And honestly this is just the week of remasters so many Mm -hmm. remasters coming out kotor remaster came out on switch as well and surprisingly it's pretty good yeah like good frame rate uh holds up pretty well no noticeable glitches maybe the biggest complaint that i've seen is that the text is get this
1: too big really wait on a switch really? are are we like it takes up a huge amount of screen real estate while you're in battles (laughs) oh it's opposite day to turn that
2: dial too far for once (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: it's weird i mean it's you know it's relatively bare bones ultimately like it's not like you got a ton of graphics options or anything no you don't need to but here's the thing being able to play that game natively in widescreen and where Mm. it's looking good as opposed to the pc that is a nice that is a nice change. And it looks a lot yeah. better than it does on like mobile. And this might be the best version of KOTOR, believe it or not.
2: I might need to go beat that game one of these days. Classic. I, I'm a bad Bioware fan, I know. You are.
0: <laughs> Got it. So that I could play it again. <laughs> it's an all-timer. It doesn't. It I don't know if it holds up necessarily. I think it probably shows its age at this point.
2: I'm cool with that. Like, that's how I felt when I was playing Jade Empire is I was like, yeah, this shows its age for sure. But I can respect that at the time this was pretty unusual, pretty out of the box, pretty fresh and new. So, you know, it's when, it, when you go back to old games, it's rare that they ever don't show their age. And usually when they don't, that's like a sign of a true classic right there is that mm-hmm. it's just forever timeless. But most games will in some way or another just have some level of. Comfort or ease or smoothing over that we've had in the years since. And so it's, it's whatever. It's, I think it's interesting to view in terms of Star Wars games, especially as we move into a new era of Star Wars games with a new KOTOR on the way and things like that. Uh, it'd be good to have this, this knowledge going in.
0: Another KOTOR remake is coming mm-hmm. out from Aspire. Well, wow. it seems like their remakes or remasters are getting better each time. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of hope, a little more hope, I should say. The upcoming KOTOR remake ends up being good. And completing the selection of remasters that are out this week, Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster, which I was was watching on Twitch, sure looks like a Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster game. But you know what? I got it. I'm looking forward to not playing it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's not true. Final Fantasy V is the one I haven't finished. So... I would like to, I've played like through 75% of that game. It's a great game, but I've never actually beaten X-Death. So I, I tried, I put a lot of hours into three. Didn't like it. Like three, like just, it felt like a lesser version of four and five. And there exactly. got to be a point where I was just like, this is not fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so sick of the, the conceits with all of the dungeons. It's like, yes, yes, you can change your class. And like, do all the stats and debuffs and debuffs. That's great. Please stop. You know, <laughs> Final Fantasy V feels a, like a much more mature concept. So I'm yeah, more yeah. Much interested. More refined. To
1: play it. Much more refined. I'm just interested to know when six is coming out. That's what yep. I need to yep. know. Yeah, one that's game closer. That's the one you're waiting for, not yeah, yeah, That's what like I'm waiting one for. Step closer
2: to
1: six. Oh, you should play the one you don't know backwards and forwards. I just never got into 5 it's a great game i'll absolutely concede that but i just don't find much fun in in it and it's you don't strange. Don't like barts. 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 <laughs> my fa- I think that Wyvern is the greatest greatest mistranslation of all time instead of Wyvern like that's just Wyvern.
0: Epic epic. epic. My name's Barts. I'm half man, half dog. I'm my
1: own best friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, it's it is probably the weakest cast of any Final Fantasy game,
1: or one. Some of people them. argue that, but yeah, um, it's not a great. Cast. I just don't care, except Gilgamesh. Oh, you should
0: should give it another shot, Nadia. It's available on Five. Yeah, maybe. Eric, are you gonna give it a shot? Nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah. I, nah. Dog i have too do many
2: other like hallmark final fantasies that i need to go play i need to play six i need to play yes, tactics yeah. i need to play
0: hey it's uh, on our top 25 I'm, rpgs of all time
2: eric i want to play 12 at some point that one interests me just because after like Underrated. going deep on dungeon yes. encounters i'm like ooh, ooh, maybe i need to see more of this this man's design work so i
1: forget are you a fan of tactics
2: uh, I, so the only Tactics Final Fantasy Tactics games I've played are a little bit of Advance One, and uh, all a whole lot of Advance Two on the DS. Like I right. loved that game. That yeah,
1: just because you like ooh. the the environment because of Ivalice. like it's it's all there. Yeah,
2: and, and it had such a cool structure. I was on a road trip that summer, and I think that entire road trip I did nothing but play uh, Final Fantasy Tactics A Two in the car. And just going through all the different jobs and auctions and all the side stuff you could do with such a big game that you could just play and play and play. What are you uh, doing,
0: Square? Make a freaking Final Fantasy Tactics, r- a new game, There are rumors. There are,
1: there are rumors going around that uh, there was an NVIDIA GeForce leak or, or something like that. And of course, it's all mm-hmm. brain of salt, grain of salt. But there's this whole list of games that are supposedly coming out. And one of them is a Tactics Remastered or new Tactics, one or the other. But they're also saying, Chrono Cross Remaster. And I've heard that yeah. so many times heard that, that I'm just, that just one gonna so many times. I'm gonna just put my head in the water until like I hear for sure that square Enix. Is that like list 8, was yeah.
0: such a wish list.
1: It's yeah. a wish list to find. It would a great list though. Oh my god.
2: But we have Triangle Strategy coming next year. Yes, and we do. That one we do. That one I'm putting my hopes on. It's a little bit more tactics ogre, but I'm looking Good forward enough. to it.
0: Well, looking ahead to the games that are actually coming out. Todd Howard said it was now or never for Starfield cuz mm-hmm. it was a new concept they're like oh, we got to try this if we do Elder Scrolls 6 next when the heck are we going to do Starfield mm-hmm. maybe not for another decade at the rate that we put out our games so Elder Scrolls 6 still in pre-production it's going to be years Mm-hmm. Before that game came out, so that's at least enough time for another two or three Skyrim re-releases. <laughs> I, I was
1: going to say we're going to have another another Skyrim re- release to, to keep us uh warm in the meantime. They'll
2: both be out before Beyond Good and Evil too, so oh, <laughs> I it's sure down. looking that way.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited for Starfield. I'm really glad that they went with that option because I want to see mm-hmm. what Bethesda in space looks like. I hope it's good. In the yeah. meantime. You'll be able to pick pronouns in Starfield, and apparently the NPCs will respond accordingly. I thought that was kind of neat.
2: That's oh, cool. that's a nice touch. I like that.
0: And apparently Todd Howard, like, so uh, full disclosure, during my day job over at IGN, I did all of the breakouts for the IGN's big interview with Todd Howard, so I was listening to the interview and transcribing it and everything. One of the things that jumped out at me was him talking about what he wants to... What he felt like didn't wasn't fully realized in Skyrim. And it kind of gave a hint for what he wanted to do with Starfield and Tez 6, which was talking about how AI interactions mm-hmm. are a big thing for him. Like he was saying, I want the characters that you interact with to feel natural. I want them to be able to have their own routines. And they've been trying to do that for some years now with the Radiant system mm-hmm. and everything. But that is a major point of emphasis for him to make these worlds feel more lived in. And I've been saying for a while that I'm really intrigued by the possibilities of like AI and that kind of thing to kind of uh, AI enhancements to be able to bring that to reality. And
1: he also reiterated his
0: uh, commitment to single player, which made me happy.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't make me happy so in terms of um ai npcs no more having guards follow you down to oblivion and waiting through the lava because they threw a piece of bread at someone in an inn and you have a one dollar fine and they, they come to collect it <laughs> in hell
2: that's, that's commitment you know they they take their jobs seriously okay it's rain or shine oblivion <laughs> or Hellgate, gate they're gonna get you
1: <laughs> it was just a comparison someone made on youtube because they were saying how the skyrim guards were wussies Compared mm-hmm. to the Oblivion Guards, who would actually follow you into hell because you had a one dollar fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, and Steam Deck has been delayed.
1: Yeah, yeah, <sighs> that's a that's a big surprise for you. Heartbreaking, alas, terrible. So,
0: right there with Elden Ring, but everything's getting delayed. It's mm-hmm. that time of year. All right, that is all of the news. It's time to continue on to the main topic: it's talking about Shimigami Tensei, its influence in RPGs, and how it can break out. Don't go away. Y'all, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is out, and there was a little bit of a kerfuffle around the reviews. Because multiple reviewers compared it to Persona 5.
2: How dare they? And Shin Megami (laughs)
0: Tensei fans are not super happy about that. And there's been a fair amount of discourse among SMT fans for a little while now, going back to well before SMT 5 came out, saying SMT is better than Persona. You best respect it. But mainstream audiences have yet to kind of dial into that. And I guess the question that I want to pose to you two is why? Why is this why is SMT not as popular as Persona?
2: I can start here. A good comparison I've always heard is that SMT is like the prog rock or the heavy metal. <laughs> the to, rush of to the pop punk of Persona and that's like a good starting point of how to think about it, which is that I think Persona differentiated itself, obviously like it, it is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei and it went in certain directions. If you go back to the earlier Persona games, they play a lot more like a Shin Megami Tensei would. I, I, Persona two is one that has been on my backlog for ages because it seems like the meeting point of those two and even Persona three is still, pretty dark in that shimigami tensei way and then you got to four and it was about hanging out in the rural countryside with your friends and pals and going on fun murder mystery adventures together it's all it's all great and then golden came out and it was very cheery and had even more pop styling to it and then you got to five and it was just full out like stylish action and i i say this lovingly because i think both series have a lot going for themselves that they end up playing interesting contrasts to each other. They're they're two very different tastes. But one of them is going to always kind of appeal more to a general audience because uh, I like that you noted it here in the notes. Uh, SMT is kind of about alienation in a way. Like you were yeah. very by yourself when you play Shin Megami Tensei. It's a very different kind of mood where... Everything feels horrible and apocalyptic and dire, and your resources are always low and you're always outmatched. And that's not everyone's cup of tea. Whereas in persona, you know, you're you're kind of going through some terrible stuff too, but you got your pals, you got your buds that you've been hanging out with, getting cheeseburgers with after school. It's a different kind of vibe. Like Buffy yeah.
0: the Vampire Slayer versus a legit psychological horror movie.
1: Yeah, that's basically yeah, it. Yeah. I also think another reason is because the SMT series success was severely neutered in the 90s because of mm-hmm. Nintendo's censorship policies. Uh, of course, you're out there, I don't know, crucifying Jack Frost or whatever goes on in those games. So <laughs> obviously, <laughs> Nintendo was like, took one look and said, yeah, this is not happening. So during that kind of golden age of, of RPGs, I, I don't know how well SMT played compared to other RPGs like Final Fantasy VI or Chrono Trigger, but it was by all accounts, they were great games. So we missed out on that. And I think that kind of prevented the series from taking that foothold. And it took a long time for Atlas to to really, really push. I mean, this is the first really big push behind SMT that I can remember ever. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like, as Eric says, I'll love because I actually like both series for very different reasons. Persona 5 is so in your face. Just boom, boom, boom. The style is incredible. It's unmatched. And when you look at SMT5, you're looking at something much darker, much more thoughtful and and dire. And also keep in mind that Joker isn't Smash, and that counts for a lot in terms of his popularity. Yeah. And I do completely understand SMT fans' frustrations, but at the same time, don't be dicks. Because there are a lot of new people coming to SMT. They are curious about it. Maybe it's not going to be as popular as Persona. But there are going to be new fans. And if you're there saying. Oh well you're not a real fan. If you don't play SMT before Persona. And oh my god a game journalist made a comparison to Persona. Let's tear the wall down. Mm-hmm. Just be cool. Be chill. Uh, be helpful. You know, A really good example. Of a community coming together. To make things better in the west. Is Monster Hunter. When monster hunter world was coming i remember the community made a push to say okay we're going to mentor new players We, Mm -hmm. we really 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 want this to take off in the west we don't care if uh the game if we think the games belong on 3ds or psp versus an actual console we want people to play these games so they really pushed for that they really tried to be as friendly as possible not saying everyone was fantastic just it was a general movement to get people in and smt completely lacks that warmth or that inviting atmosphere and i think the fans are not really fans are not being inviting and i like i said i understand their frustration but you gotta you gotta tone it down a bit it's a game i think you have to go back
0: to what you were saying nadia about how for the longest time smt was the hardcore import game a hardcore import RPG so you could show your RPG bonafides by saying you like Final Fantasy well guess what I play Shimigami Tensei bet you've never heard of that well it's only the most popular series in Japan going back to the days of the Famicom and so that creates a little bit of a gamekeeper culture a little bit of a hardcore culture around that particular series it I believe did not really make it to North America till Nocturne came around, and hmm. that was a
1: big deal. It was great.
2: Nocturne was a big game.
1: Mm-hmm. First Shin Megami Tensei or Persona thing that ever landed on our shores was was uh, Jack Brothers for the Virtual Boy. <laughs> Jack Boys. Brothers yeah. and the Virtual Boy. Yeah, there's our introduction to there's our introduction to SMT. It was always it was always going to start on the back foot. I mean, I guess Persona technically counts
0: the original Persona on PlayStation.
1: Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, no offense, cat, but when people talk about Fire Emblem and they say, "Oh, the series was ruined when they brought in, uh, when they got rid of Permadeath. and <laughs> even though it's optional, some people are really still salty about the fact that Permadeath is no longer mandatory.
2: Cough. Well, let let me sp- <laughs> let me spin off of this too, because this is a this is the next point I was going to make is that it also reminds me we talked about Souls games on here. I think shimegami tensei. One of the big problems that people have in getting more people into shimegami tensei is they have like this this sense of accumulated pride in having, like I play the harder game. I play that's yeah. the real full strength formula. Like this is this is the one I play. It's it's the tough way. Yes, like the difficulty is part of the appeal, but it's it, it's like the reason that you solve. Larger piece count puzzles when you're older. It's because you want something that's going to like f- mentally stimulate you a little bit more than your average RPG. But it's not like it's going to just repeatedly smack you into the ground for the fun of it. Neither is Souls. Like the idea is that you're presented with a challenge and it's a rewarding challenge to overcome. And the world's incredible. The atmosphere is incredible. It's something that's completely different from Persona. If you like the idea of, seeing what would happen if the book of revelations happened in front of you in an RPG. Like that's what Shin Megami Tensei that's what it is. is. Yeah. And like nobody ever leads with that. I always see it start out with like, this is the game you play if you want a challenge. And I'm like, yeah, you'll get a challenge, but that's, that's not the only appeal, and so I think people always get off on the wrong foot with this one. Whereas, like with Persona, the second you start talking to Persona to somebody, you go, "Oh, the music's incredible. The characters are so good." You don't talk about the combat until like fifteen bullet points in. <laughs> and, and granted, that's yeah. because like I, I do actually think Persona has a very good combat system and you does get your challenging. Teacher. Yeah, look. <laughs> <laughs> And your doctor and an investigative journalist. All right,
0: I like the um, journalist
2: relationship. I no reason. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> save it. Save some for the pantheon. All right, <laughs>
0: it's gonna be a four-hour podcast.
2: This is too much. <laughs> World's most redacted pantheon. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, uh, I, I lost my train of thought completely off of that. <laughs> it's, it's There's so much about Shin Megami Tensei that has going on beyond just it's punishing and bleak and difficult. Like, I don't know why the leadoff batter is always, oh, it's going to kick your ass because I, it, that's part of it. But it's not all of it. And I, I think there's just like this sense of pride, like you were saying earlier, Kat, about being in the know. And, oh, I play the real RPGs, the dark RPGs, the ones that your your parents and the your metal. pastor don't want you Heavy to know metal. about. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Eric. I do think that SMT has a lot more going on than just, oh yeah, they're hard. For one thing, Nocturne could be unforgiving. Very. But yeah. if you... I think that people had a different mindset, or they weren't as sophisticated about console RPGs in the early 2000s. And now we've been exposed to so many RPGs at this mm-hmm. point. Now, when I was playing Nocturne, yeah, there were some definitely some challenging moments, um, especially when you get to one of the earlier bosses who is like a very much a gateway boss. I'm like, okay. I'm matador. Are yeah, you Matador. Ready? <laughs> yeah, Matador will kick your butt if you're not careful. But by and large, if you exercise a certain amount of common sense, um, you, you're going to be okay in yeah, SMT. Yeah.
1: I find that's that's usually the case with those older RPGs where we said, man, this was really hard. This was what a real challenge was like. No, a lot of the time there's a trick to it that if you have a bunch of RPGs under your belt and you go back to that old one, you see, oh, okay, I was just not exploiting the, 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 the elemental weaknesses when I was a kid. And that's very much Mm. the thing in SMT Nocturne. Uh, Matador is a gatekeepy jerk, but is it holy? I think you kind of defend yourself with. And once you have like Nico Mata by your side, like he he Mm. will go down like kind of a chump. And something else to keep in mind too is you can literally Google any question you have about any game, you will get an answer one way or the other. So we are long past the days of agonizing over a boss because we just have absolutely no idea how to proceed
2: it's a very it rewards like thoughtful play and this is something i've just been noticing a lot both in my own play of rpgs and watching other people play rpgs is i think it's very easy to be impatient and want to like rush ahead with things when yes. you play games and certainly back then when these games were coming over we love our action mm-hmm. games we love our our sick action platformers and stuff like that so the idea of like oh, I have to wait for turns and stuff like that. Oh, (laughs) disgusting. But this the 2000s. uh, But if you're a person who likes the idea of puzzles that you can kind of take slowly and and think things out, I was watching. So again, I I have it loaded on my Switch, but I've not played SMT5 yet. I was earlier watching Giant Bomb do their quick look of SMT5. And there was a part where they were playing and Jano Cho over there was fighting against a group of enemies and didn't know any of their weaknesses or strengths. And Michael Haim, a fan by who was on guesting shout outs to both of them. Uh, he said, Hey, you've got that enemy in your party. You've already recruited one of those demons. So you may not know you can't see their weaknesses, but if you open your party, you can just look at that demons weaknesses and say, okay, I know they're exactly. weak to this now. And to me, I like that stuff. I like yeah. when the game feels like it rewards you for being perceptive, for like taking a moment and thinking, because it's giving you the time to think. It's not ATB or anything like that, where you're going to have to like use your actions or lose them. You get to take that moment and and take your time, persona. <laughs> but uh, it's it feels rewarding. It's it feels like a puzzle game to me, and and less like an action game and. I, I think people just get get it mixed up when they're looking at this thing, they're like, oh, it's punishing and challenging. Like it's not like Dark Souls where you have to time a parry just right or you're gonna get no. chopped in half. Like even then, like the input stuff is not even that difficult. It's just think through your actions. And if you if you're a person who likes solving puzzles like me, that's great. I love it. It's so good.
1: I like the apocalyptic
0: feel that oh, yeah. you have in Strange Journey.
1: I love Strange Journeys Atmosphere. Uh That was my uh first SMT and it had like a really unique... That was the point I was trying to make in that article I wrote for U.S. Gamer, which I shared around again because SMT fans were being, you know, grumpy. And I just kind of wrote about my first experience with SMT and Persona and how I I compared the two because at that point I'd played four and five and I was playing Strange Journey Redux. And I said to myself, okay, the key is to say to yourself, there are links to Persona for sure, like the demons, but this is a totally new, different experience. And I think what says that more than anything is the fact that in Persona, your characters are represented by their demons, like uh, Joker has Arsene. It's a reflection of their souls and who they are, and it becomes a big thing. And in, in Shin Megami Tensei, it's very much like, oh, you have this demon? Oh, they're your friend for, not even your friend, they're your companion for, like I don't know, a, a, for a dungeon. And then you, you have to fuse them, because otherwise, if you don't if you don't get rid of your demons, that's an interesting uh, uh, kind of subtext right there, if you don't get rid of your demons... You're not gonna get stronger and you're mm-hmm. gonna get your ass kicked. So you have to let go of of your quote unquote friends. And that might be difficult for people who are into persona. Even on persona five, you you execute your demons pretty grisly when you when you have to combine them. <laughs> but you still always have like those uh you know, those those group of of demons who were who represent who you are and those never go away. You just don't have anything like that in SMT, and I think it might alienate some people.
0: Is it fair to compare Shimagama Tensei and
2: Persona? Oh, absolutely. I,
1: you think They're, so? I don't know. They're just, I, I think if you go into the frame of mind, like I want this to be more like persona and oh no, it's not like persona. You're just going to hurt yourself.
2: That's true. But I think in, to that respect, then you need to acknowledge that they are similar ideas with different executions. And I think there's a perfectly valid reason or reasons why people might like persona a lot or not like shimei and then not like shimei gami tensei or vice versa right or they might like persona and find even more of what they like in me in shimei gami tensei or vice versa and so i that's why i think at all times i think drawing those comparisons and i'm somebody who tries to as as you may not believe this from my podcast appearances but i try to avoid comparing games to other games because i think it can be (laughs) reductive at times but in in situations like this where there is very clearly these are so stemmed from each other that they share demons to the point that if you know the weaknesses of a demon in one game you probably know the weaknesses of that same yeah. demon in the other game yeah you're kind of looking I, at the same abilities as well in many cases i was i was watching the quick look earlier and a demon popped up and they were like what what is this one weak to? do you think and it was like the who's that pokemon where i was like zahn it's weak to zahn <laughs> 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 um but it's like it's you can draw those comparisons as long as they're informative and i think as long as you're you're framing each of them as they're going to be similar-ish things they're going to offer it's like the difference between ice cream and gelato i don't know does that work uh, does that kind I of pan so. yeah sure like <laughs> they're both delicious or, or ice cream and frozen yogurt like it's they're in the same ballpark but you're getting very different things from each one but if somebody's like, oh, should we get frozen yogurt today or ice cream? You're going to be weigh- weighing the merits of the two between each other.
1: What's the merits of frozen yogurt?
2: I don't know. Sometimes you like some fro-yo. And you, I think the toppings work a lot better on the fro-yo because they really get in there. Like,
0: Who's team fro-yo and who's team ice cream?
2: I'm, I'm going ice cream if we have the option. I'm mm. going ice cream. Yeah. That's the thing. Fro-yo is fro-yo's good, but I don't know. I'm always going to take ice cream if there's an option.
0: It kind of depends on my mood. Like there are times where I like a good Americone dream from Ben and Jerry's mm. or some ice cream from our local place, Tucker's, which is mm-hmm. very good.
1: The Froyo or, is cursed. <laughs>
0: thank you, Nadia. <laughs> I caught that. I, I understood that reference. <laughs> um, but there are also times that
1: I like to go to our local Froyo place and just pile on those gummy bears. hmm Gummy bears and ice cream. Now, there's a combination. See, I like to freeze my. I buy wine gums and I like to freeze them because I like the texture. Ooh. But ice cream and hmm,
2: I like I, that. I like thin mints. You get the Girl Scout cookie thin mints and you put them in ice cream. You like crush them up after you freeze them. Ooh, that sounds pretty Ooh. good. Highly recommend it. Uh,
0: I'm I'm in for the froyo discourse. Just put is away there a, Tensei, so Is there
1: a froyo? Is there a frozen yogurt-based demon in SMT? Let's let's hook this up. Is there, look a, look there, there is one in Pokemon. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's the Vanilux of SMT?
1: Uh, I love Vanilux. I don't care. I think it's a great Pokemon.
2: Uh, but uh, you know, back on topic, you know, wheeling us back on course, I, I do think it is okay to compare the two but but definitely not in a way that's like oh smt wishes it was persona or persona wishes it was smt yeah. like don't do it in a reductive way just do it in a way that's especially for somebody who's coming from persona or even coming from smt it's good to kind of frame the expectations a little bit because some of it will feel eerily familiar in either direction so
0: it's a uh, it's a different they're two very different games i mean You were saying that, yes, in the specifics of the battle system and the demons and the demon Mm. negotiation, very similar, but structurally very different. How the characters Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. the vibe. Like, I mean, if you're playing SMT, it stretches back to the dawn of the series where you have this apocalyptic mood. See, after the end of the world in Tokyo and everybody's betraying you, (laughs) like... In Nocturne, you make friends and then you murder them, you know, or you, you can decide to join them. But your friends end up representing good or evil, right? It's not the right. Scoobies coming together to fight demons. And then also you're not going day by day in a, a kind of a visual esque kind right. of format like Persona. You have way more... It's more of a first-person dungeon crawler kind
1: of situation. It very much is. Yeah, it, it very much hangs on to its roots in that regard. Even in uh, Nocturne, it's it you could still kind of really feel that dungeon crawling aspect of it. You're underground most of the time. Heck,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see the difference is Persona is Evangelion pre third impact uh, where, where they're all like their school life and monster of the week kind of stuff going on but everybody's got some drama going on you know Asuka's learning to cook does that mean <laughs> she's into Shinji like all that kind the of slice stuff. of
0: life stuff
2: like, and then yeah. Shin Megami Tensei is in Ava 3.0 when Shinji wakes up post near third impact or whatever and the world's fucked <laughs> and everything's terrible it's a wasteland there are like dead gods building the sea like out in on the distance it's oh it's, that's the difference if you want to play a third impact rpg let me tell you shimigami tensei <laughs> please please pay attention to the production note in which i might have just spoiled an evangelion plot point for everyone
0: <laughs> oh my god i mean
1: the Movie has been out ten years at this point, so I yeah. don't know that it's that big of a. I mean, I haven't seen it, but you make it sound really metal. Uh, it is pretty metal. It, it's yeah.
2: really metal. It's awesome, honestly. And that's the thing about Shimigami Tensei that I've always really liked is that it's this. This setting is basically the world is coming to an end, and you are one person, and like the person who gets to shape the the end of the world and determine what the new world looks like is up for grabs anybody can take it it's it's a demon and angel fight to the death battle royale for who gets it and you have to start at square one and that's why i like all the demon fusion stuff is because you're basically killing the things you love to become more powerful and like what does that do to you as a person on your journey and you have to make a lot of decisions there's a lot of different endings that can uh carry out depending on whether you go for certain uh I believe they do the lawful do they do lawful yeah, evil they do lawful, lawful
0: versus like chaos and that kind of thing. And it's not like one is better than the other. The lawful one is pretty bad.
2: Yeah. Lawful is I think the way they do it is always really interesting because lawful always ends up being like authoritarian. Like to the point where, yes, the the angels won, but is it a good thing that the angels won? It's
1: usually not a good thing when the angels win in in anime and RPGs. It's usually quite Mm -hmm.
2: bad. It's a cool interpretation of what differing ideologies and philosophies about how the world should operate can come to bear and then be taken to their most extreme when the victor has total power to enact them and if any of what I've just said sounds really cool to you then you probably would like Shimegami Tensei because it gets real deep into these philosophies whereas Persona has kind of always been more about personal stories to me so if you like character stories and character arcs with like a splash of of real world commentary uh you know in Persona 5 where there are pieces of real world commentary in there, but the focus feels very much on the Phantom Thieves themselves and how they grow the drama they go through. Whereas SMT is very outward facing and you're dealing with the politics of the world and how should a world be shaped when you have the power to shape it. Right. So two things
0: that stand out to me. One is it's interesting to me that these two games that are ostensibly from the same franchise have Mm -hmm. split to the point where it does feel like two different series that are in competition, even though they yeah. came from the mm-hmm. same roots. And think about why that is. I think it probably to do with the fact that, say, Persona was able to get a fan base on the PlayStation Two initially, mm-hmm. and then when, and then it kept building up more with uh, Persona Four Golden a little bit more, and then that created a groundswell of positive word of mouth Where the Persona 5, which came out on the freaking PS4, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas you look at the kind of the arc of SMT and by and large, after Nocturne, SMT4 was on the 3DS, mm-hmm. right? A popular platform, but unfortunately there are biases against handheld platforms.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Right?
0: um especially especially maybe like the 3DS which was not that pop it was not that successful of a platform ultimately it did okay like in yeah, the game boy F-
1: i mean we talked about this of course on our, our 3DS quest uh, yeah. go look that up kids but there's a lot to be said about the 3DS and of course its first initial launch it did not have a good impression so that was definitely hindered it but it recovered and also i think that the piracy was not half as, not even a fraction as bad as it was on the DS, so that's Mm. something in its favor. Because I don't know how much money Nintendo lost, but it couldn't have been a a little bit. The
0: Nintendo 3DS sold 75 million units, which makes it the worst selling of all of the handhelds. Uh, About 5 million below
1: the GBA and well, well, well below the Game Boy and the DS. I think that Nintendo could have extended its life quite a bit, except it released the Switch, so... (laughs) oops i think my the upshot is that it was a little bit of a
0: tougher sell Mm -hmm. uh, for people to be like no go go try out smt4 this game Mm -hmm. that is on the 3ds which you might not have picked up and then there are other games like you know devil survivor as we already mentioned strange journey on the nintendo ds and this is uh smt5 is kind of one of the first proper console releases for this series in quite a long time which I think it's why people are putting a lot of stock mm-hmm. in the overall success of smt5 the other thing that stands out to me is you were mentioning you know uh you, you were talking about the difficulty like fire emblem turned it around when it added a casual mode for sure but also when it leaned a lot more into the dating aspects again,
1: but they worked so well together, it was it was a match made in heaven. Shadow Dragon got rid of them, and the series almost died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. And then
0: Awakening, they were like, "Ah, eh, screw it, ha- Hail Mary. We're just doing. Not only can you get uh, the characters kiss, they can have kids. And then Future yeah, like, children. Wow. You can do I crazy love eugenics. Yeah." <laughs> yeah. No, they're like Pokemon, you know, <laughs> with no feet. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, that's kind of the reality of mainstream success in this world is a game that has much more of an anime bent than, say, SMT and a game that is kind of more accessible in many ways. Like, I think people have an easier time grokking Persona oh
1: absolutely yeah like 100 percent. the battle system for persona 5 it's exciting but it's not really anything massively new even in the the demon negotiation which i'm very glad they added into persona Mm -hmm. it's not nearly as convoluted as it is in nocturne i don't know how it is in five i haven't tried it yet but i know in nocturne you really had to have like demons with different abilities to like hey here's a sexy demon to get this demon over here hey here's Mm -hmm. a manipulative demon to get this demon on your team it was a little more difficult whereas in persona you had to just sorry persona 5 you just had to play like you know 20 questions and you'd be done
2: mm-hmm. and it's i again like going back to the differences i think they both have incredible style but smt's is a darker like more harsh style of the world is ending and all that whereas Persona five i still go back and watch that intro movie they put out and it's easy to see why so many people bought into that thing, even if they had never heard of persona before, because right. it's just so stylish and everybody's there's like horns blasting and everybody's dancing and it's, it's got like a heist. People love. It's like heists. Lupin. Yeah. yeah. Heists are good. Heists are like inherently a good story structure. And they made a game about heists and anime and dating your teacher. And it's just a home run. Like it's, that's also like the thing that you have to admit is that Persona 5 is just a very good RPG. I, I know y'all have to pantheon about this, so you don't have to say anything about it yet, but uh, it I will say, just... me personally, I think it's a very good RPG. And Persona had two very good, three very good RPGs all in a row while we said like Shimigami Tensei was having a very weird release structure on the side.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, Persona 5 starts boom out of the gate like you are in the middle of an action Mm -hmm. uh, of like a heist and then you see a kid getting the shit kicked out of him in the in a in the dungeon of a a police station uh smt games have always been a much more of a build-up to the and even then like with an smt you don't get like this this spike of adrenaline that the way that you get with persona you just get a very almost like a very muted sense of despair That stays with you. I don't know. Persona Four took forever to get going. Persona Four, yeah, no, I'm talking about five, but four, yeah, four took its time. I
2: I will say that four, SMT four was a slow burn to get started. I feel like honestly, that game didn't start for me until you get to that overworld map that you have and stuff, where you're moving around on there. Like until you get there, I felt like that game was not really going anywhere.
0: It's kind of an odd, kind of an odd world too. But oh, it's a
2: bizarre game structure. I like it, but it's bizarre.
0: Whereas Nocturne, but on the other hand, Nocturne, I think that story, it starts off in a very creepy and unsettling mm-hmm. way.
1: It you're is, in that yes.
0: empty hospital, mm-hmm. right? And you're delving down, you're like, what the heck is going on here? All the way up until the world actually ends, and then you just have to figure out what the heck happened to you, what the heck happened to the world, and it's an interesting place to explore Right off the bat, as you delve into all mm-hmm. of this stuff, so i th- I do think that nocturne s- certainly compared to four, gets off uh on a stronger foot.
2: I was just going to say I haven't played f- all of four Apocalypse, but from what I've seen of it, that honestly seems more like what people who enjoyed Nocturne would like over mm-hmm. four itself. I like four a lot, but Apocalypse seemed to answer a lot of that, and what I've seen of the intro of five also seems like they just realized that they need to get to the big. Story beat earlier mm, <laughs> and and yeah. have things get really interesting faster.
0: So the question that I have now is, what are what is the prospects of SMT five on the switch? Let, let's uh, let's make our predictions here. Is it going to be a, a big success? Is going to be a modest success? Is it too hardcore? Or is this the moment that SMT5 finds its audience?
1: I'm going to say I regard it very much as another Dragon Quest where Nintendo, uh, not Nintendo, Atlas makes really hard pushes to get this game into the hands of Westerners. And some will absolutely love it. The same with Dragon Quest. It, it got lots of new fans who absolutely love it, but it is nowhere near the popularity of Final Fantasy. And I think in the same vein, SMT will absolutely have a a lot of new fans with this game, but we're not looking at Persona level uh, uh, hype, certainly not Persona 5. So it's always going to be creeping in the background as it probably should. It's very, very suitable for that.
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like it is best poised to get people interested in the broader canon of Shin Megami Tensei and now would be a great time, Atlas, if you want to think about Devil Survivor Three, you know, just put that in the books because so many more people are going to be playing SMT now. But uh I think this is definitely the best time that people are going to have to try and test it out and be like, let's see if this is for me or not. I'm honestly surprised there wasn't a demo, but um, Yeah, I'm surprised too. I, I would have li- liked to have seen They should have a done demo. what they
0: did with Neo, the world ends with you and given you a free week with it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or, or even just something where it's like you can play the the first six hours and then carry forward your progress the way you can yeah, do with the dragon lack of quest a demo 11. strikes
0: me as a missed opportunity they just kept releasing that is very freaking strange. they kept releasing freaking trailers over and over again it's like 205 yeah. trailers yeah there's a million trailers for this game
2: uh yeah so like dq 11 i still have not beaten but i bought dq 11 based off of how much I enjoyed playing the demo of it, I got to a point where it was like, okay, your demo's over now. And I was like, oh no, I wanted to see what was next. And I <laughs> bought the game on the spot. And I I feel like there's a missed opportunity there to get people in, especially... If it's a longer game, you make it a little bit longer of a demo and let people really get invested in it and get involved in it because I think this is the best chance they have at getting people to try out the SMT franchise. It's a really good opportunity right now while so many people are into Persona and so many people are into the idea of this game and so many people want a big RPG. There, We talked earlier, there have not been a lot of big RPGs this year. Like Mm -hmm. Its competition is two Bandai Namco RPGs. So... It's this is if you want that turn-based, you know, thinking person's RPG on on a handheld, then SMT should be the silver bullet. And uh, I would hope that it's a modest success. That is what I would ballpark it at. I don't think this is gonna Break
0: a million copies. Yeah, I that, think it will that'd certainly be break great. a million. I yeah. want
2: it to be a reassuring thing for them, where they say Shin Megami Tensei as a property outside of just Persona has a lot of potential to still grow because that's what I want out of this. I want them to see that the broader Shin Megami Tensei universe is worth doing a bunch of cool stuff in because I like all of the games in this universe.
0: And make a Devil Survivor 3. Yes!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree with you, Eric. I think this is kind of a, a great moment for SMT because this is has to be the most exposure and the biggest marketing push That SMT has gotten since Nocturne, at -hmm. least. Like the original SMT. Like it was featured in multiple Nintendo Directs. Mm -hmm. It's had a lot of trailers. It's been taken seriously by the games media. It was it got a fairly substantial push when it came out and was trending when people were talking about for better or worse (laughs) regarding the individual reviews. And it is one of the biggest releases on the nintendo switch this holiday season so i think that a lot of people are paying attention to it and that's not even including the fact that the switch has a huge install base compared to even the nintendo 3ds right now okay so the switch now has about 15 more 15 million more people own a switch
1: than a nintendo 3ds wow i didn't know i didn't know it surpassed it by that much
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is like so many games have come to the switch and found a whole new audience because of the Switch's success. Right. Yeah. So between the marketing and the number of people who own a switch and the fact that it's been, you know, getting a real, a really that there's not a lot of competition, as Eric was saying, I think this is a great opportunity for SMT. I'm really hopeful that people will at least give it a shot. I think that the lack of a demo is a kind of a missed opportunity and it's an unfortunate one, but maybe they'll release one after the fact and give it another push. And it's on, and it's on the holidays too, Mm -hmm. which is great. So a lot of people might just pick one up and pick up a copy, uh, heading into Christmas Mm -hmm. or
2: Hanukkah. I I was thinking about how I've got a Thanksgiving trip coming up, like a flight and how much it's going to rule to just play some SMT on that. And, and like, these are real good. Like I said earlier, road trip games. These are good games to just kind of pick away at over long periods of time and i think during the holiday times especially when you are avoiding family why not do it by taming demons and killing gods because what better way to celebrate the holidays
0: yeah and outside of tales of Arise, rise it's been kind of a week's fall for uh for rpgs mm-hmm. unfortunately unless yeah, you, you get- want a busted uh remaster of pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl
2: Shout outs eh? to Scarlet Nexus eh? too. I, I thought Scarlet Nexus was pretty okay.
0: It's, that game really overstayed its welcome, didn't it? It, it
2: did. But and a it
0: a weird story.
2: It, it had some ideas. Does I that didn't count like it as an as, RPG. I didn't like it as much as Tales of Arise, but I did think it was pretty all right. It's Days, it's,
0: uh, days since, is it an RPG discourse? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Super Derek RPG is shaking his head. <laughs> what are you doing, cat? doing the thing again just gatekeeping anyway so please look forward to our SMT5 review and we've had mm-hmm. a chance to actually play it looking forward to it in the meantime that's it for our episode this week thank you so much as always for listening if you enjoy the show you can support us over at patreoncom pod 5 bucks a month it's the cost of a starbucks coffee don't get that peppermint mocha Give it to us instead. We really appreciate it. And it keeps the show going. And that will give you access to our Cowboy Bebop ranking, which is now live, at least part two of it. And yeah, we're going through episode by episode on that one with our good friend, Henry Gilbert. And a little later this month, we will have our Pantheon of the Blood God episode, Persona 5. Lots more to talk about right there. In the meantime, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review can follow me on twitter at the underscore cat nadia is at nadia oxford eric is at c moosey s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i and we are at all of the twitters and the website and instagram blogodpod. pod we'll be back next week as always to talk more about rpgs the genre we love but until then for nadia eric and myself thanks for listening and happy adventuring To our $5 patrons, part two is available immediately to all of our, you know, our regular people. How do I even? Shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our regular people. None of you mutants. Go over there. All our
2: regular people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The port's really getting to my head.
0: (laughs) And this is going to go at the end of the episode. I can already tell. Gotta go somewhere.